right, church, say amen. All right, take your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter number 2. We are going to finish up chapter number 2 tonight, verse number 11. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 11. We are continuing in the series, uh, Facing the Fire. Tonight's uh, topic through this series is easy preaching and hard living. Say amen. And you say, why did you title it that? Because it's going to be easy preaching and hard living. Uh, I couldn't think of anything else. I'm telling you, I, I look at this stuff and I'm like, holy cow. I know we have to practice this. I know this is what God is saying. Uh, but this is, this is something we really got to get, folks. Amen? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. We've got folks walking around with a lesson all the way up at the front. Uh, Brother Todd, all the way here up at the front. Raise your hand real high. This is a, a three-pager. Now, you need to get this one. This is one you got to follow along with us over here, uh, over here on the le- or my right, I guess, y'all's left. Okay, make sure everybody's got one. Anybody in the back? Anybody in the back need one? All right, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11. Verse number 11. If you found your spot, say Amen. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. How many of them? All, all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward or crooked or mean, nasty. Uh, any, any word you want to put your employer right there, amen? Uh, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. What glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously." who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for an opportunity to study tonight. Uh, Lord, as we take these truths, I pray uh, I pray this is not just a religious activity that we participate in tonight. I hope this is not a time where we just come out and, and, and we just hear some Bible stuff and, and get encouraged a little bit and then go home and, and leave this place the same way that we came. I don't want to leave the same way. I don't want to be what I was before I came in here. Lord, I want to be changed. I, I want to be different. I want you to, uh, Lord, mature us tonight. Develop us tonight. Help us to take this word and apply it to our life. Help us not to be uh, uh, saturated in the word, but not applying it in everyday living. God, I pray that your will be done. Move in an awesome way. Thank you for the folks that have taken the time to come out tonight to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh <clears throat> Say this with me. This Bible, this Bible is, for me. is for me. When he wrote it, he wrote it. I, was on his mind. I was on his mind. Y'all believe that? Yes, Listen, this is not, we're not here just for the sake of Bible knowledge. We are here to be more like Christ. 
every day that goes by, every step that we take, everything that we do, we are to become more like Christ. And uh, there was some characteristics of Christ that are going to be hard to live up to. Y'all with me? How about, how about while they're nailing you on the cross, you say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Y'all with me? I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency when, when I'm attacked, I want to I wanna retaliate. When, when, when something comes my way and I feel it's a personal issue, I have a tendency to want to get defensive. But Jesus, he, he was different. He was different. And, and, and when, we use, when we use this title, it's easy preaching but hard living. Uh, I didn't put... I didn't put this impossible living. I can do all things. Are y'all with me? Through Christ which strengthens me. How are we going to be able to do what Christ did? Through the spirit that's in us, it was in him. Amen. Hey, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight is going to be hard. I'm going to just lay it out there, okay? It's, it's going to be it's going to be hard it's going to be difficult we're going to read it and we're going to think oh my goodness what in the world is a preacher asking us to do but the very last word the very last point the very last truth that we're going to present it will be it will be the last subpoint of the last main point hold hold your determination hold your decision hold your criticism Hold whether or not you can accomplish this till you hear the very last point. Because it was through the very last point that gave Christ the ability to do everything that we see that he's wanting us to do today. So will y'all do that for me tonight? All right, number one. Number one, there's three areas of responsibility that we're going to talk about tonight in the, in the follow-up and finishing of chapter number two. Three areas of responsibility for us. One, uh, the responsibility of the saint. As a saint of God, we have responsibilities as a Christian, as a saint. As a child of God, we have a responsibility. Uh, Then the second, uh, we have a responsibility as a citizen. As a citizen, God expects us to be good citizens. Now, I'm just going through point one, two, and three. They're already in your notes, so you ain't got to worry about writing it down. Just look at me. Amen. Everybody's looking. Where's he going with this? Amen. Uh, the third is, is our responsibility, uh, I guess I better look, amen, our responsibility as an employee, as an employee. In other words, God wants you to be a good employee. God wants you, next week, next week, we're going to look uh, toward uh, the responsibility we have as a spouse. I mean, there's every area of our life, God, we have responsibilities to perform and and, and to live up to. So the first one we're going to talk about is as a Christian, we have responsibilities. Let's look in verse number 11. Dearly beloved, dearly beloved, I beseech you or I beg you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation, that word conversation means behavior, your behavior, having your conversation or behavior honest among the Gentiles. Now, when he uses the word Gentiles there, he's not necessarily talking about a race of people. He's talking about unbelievers. He's talking about uh, people that are not Christians, people that are not Christ followers. We are to behave around them. That whereas they speak evil or against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Uh, now, here's, here's what we want to talk about in the first section. A, our responsibility as a child of God, our responsibility as a Christian, our responsibility as a saint is determined by our identity, by our identity. In other words, you need to remember who you are. When you walk out of your house every morning, you need to remember who you are. You need to remember that you represent Temple Baptist Church. You need to remember that you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me? A lot of times we forget that. A lot of times we forget who we are. 
We are not just anybody. We are not just a lost person. We are saved. We are redeemed. We have been uh, bought with the price. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are new creatures. Whether we're acting like it or not, we are new creatures. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The problem with most Christians that don't act like Christians is if they not change their mind about some stuff. They have not renewed their mind. They haven't spent time in the Word and let the Word work on them. But regardless of the fact, you are who you are. And we, it's time we start remembering who we are. We have an identity. He, he says this, I beseech you. Look what he says in verse 11. I beseech you. In other words, he's appealing to their identity. He says, I beseech you, I beg you, because you're strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. As Christians, we must constantly remind ourselves who we are. And Peter did this in 1 Peter 2.11. We are God's dearly beloved children. Our relationship to Jesus Christ ought to be motivation enough for us to live godly lives in this godless world. He's, he says, if ye love me, what does he say? Keep my if ye love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. There is something deeper than obedience because of duty. And that is obedience because of devotion. Think about that a minute. Are you living your life as a Christian out of duty or out of devotion? There's a big difference. Uh, if you love somebody, it's not going to bother you to serve them. So how could prove that? Uh, how hard is it to, for you to serve the jerk at work? But then when you have a spouse that loves you dearly and has treated you nice and, and y'all are on good terms, I'm going to qualify this, y'all are on good terms, amen? Uh, it's not hard to serve that person. It's not hard to meet that person's need. It's not hard to do for them. Are y'all with me? Now, what God is saying here is he says, I want you to understand that I love you and you are to love me. What is, the, what is the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. Amen? Well, listen, we are loved of God. If any man love me, in John 14, 23, he will keep my words. Not only are we God's beloved children, but we are also strangers. He uses the word sojourners strangers and pilgrims in this world. We are resident aliens who have our citizenship in another country. Heaven, like the patriarchs of old, we are, temporary, uh, uh, we are temporarily in this life traveling toward the heavenly city. Listen, uh, if you drop me off in Rome, I'm going to stick out. My, my speech is going to betray me. Uh, when I... When I go into Ohio, into that foreign country up there. Listen, I walked in the Sunday school room the very first time I was there. The very first Sunday I was there. Them folks are reserved. When they're happy, it's... When they're, when they're sad, it's... When they're excited, it's... I mean, we in the South, we way different than them folks up there. Say amen. I walk in the place and I said, how y'all doing? And they all turned around me and said, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> and every time I go up there, they make fun of the way I talk. And they love it too, man. They love when I come up there. It's great. I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner. I don't act like them people. I don't talk like them people. I don't behave like them people. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the point. If we are citizens of another country, if we are children of the king, why do we settle to act like paupers in this world? If we are citizens of heaven, if we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth, if we are just temporarily on this planet, how come it is that we want to act like this world, we want to talk like this world, we want to live like this world, we want to act like people that God has brought us out of? We're strangers. We're, we're just passing through. Everything in this world is temporary. The culture is temporary. Dress styles are temporary. Hairstyles are temporary. How you know that? Throwback Thursday. <laughs> Y'all with me? Everything's temporary. And here we are. We, anyhow, let's move on. Amen. Listen, 
The responsibility that we have as a saint of God is determined by our identity. Not only that, it's described by our activity. It's described by our activity. Here's what he says to do. Because you are a stranger and a pilgrim, because you are who you are, he said, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Two things I want you to write down under this. Two things. Uh, our activity, we have, it's basically two things, an inward and an outward. First, there's an inward, excuse me, warfare. Write that down. There is an inward warfare. If you are saved, you are fighting. The moment you got saved, you begin to fight on the inside. Your flesh is rotten. Now, here's, here's, I always, I always, you know, when, when, when I, I, I would hear the word flesh, uh, when I was growing up, I would always think that the, the, my, my physical body, he's not talking about your physical body. He's talking about your old nature, your old nature, your old appetites, the, 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 the person you used to be. All right. Uh, we have to reckon that person dead. Now I won't, I, I am a new creature, but I still fight old ways. I still have that, that flesh that I have to deal with. There is a fight. According to Paul, there is a fight. There is a war. There is in my members two things going on, the flesh fighting against the spirit. And if you are saved, you're in a battle. It, that's why when people that are not saved and they can live in sin, it don't bother them. Because there's no spirit convicting them. There's no spirit drawing them. There's no spirit wooing them. There's no spirit fighting against the flesh. But when you get saved, there comes all of a sudden a warfare on the inside. He said there's some things fighting against the inside. We are soldiers involved in a spiritual battle. These, there are sinful desires that, that war against us and want to defeat us. Galatians 6, I'll read that here in just a minute. Galatians 5. Our real battle is not with people around us. Underline that. Underline that. Our real battle is not with people around us, but with passions within us. Underline that. Our real battle, we got to quit fighting one another. That's not where the battle is. Uh, D.L. Moody said this. D.L. Moody said, the, biggest, the, the, the man I have the biggest problem with is D.L. Moody. I have more problems with D.L. Moody than any man I know. Can anybody relate to that? Listen, the battle is on the inside. We have a war going on. It is not with other people. The word translated war carries the idea of a military campaign. We do not win one battle and the war is over. You know what happens is we get victory in a certain area of our life and we go on vacation. We win a fight, we win a battle, we win an issue in our life, and we get excited and we get happy, and we should. I mean, we should celebrate every victory, we should celebrate every win, but that doesn't mean we go in R&R &R and we just drop our guard and forget that we are still in a fight. I, I, let me explain it this way. Uh, about uh, two Sundays ago, two Sundays ago, I think, uh, yeah, it was three Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, uh, we had a big day at Temple. God really moved. A bunch of people got saved. It was a very, very emotional day. I mean, it was a fight. It was a fight. It was a spiritual battle. Every service, I was crying. Every service, it was just an emotional drain. Every service, I was pleading with, from the bottom of my heart for sinners to be saved. It was, it was the, the service uh, almost persuaded. Tons of people got saved and just, just people got touched and, and people got helped. And I'm telling you, I was so exhausted. I was so exhausted at the end of that Sunday. And it was just, it, that Monday, I went through the biggest depression of my ministry. It was one of the darkest days I've ever lived in a long, long, long time. You know why? Because it's usually after the greatest battles and after the greatest victories, we will face the biggest defeat. And we've got to be careful 
to understand that, listen, this, just because the battle's over today, that doesn't mean you're not going to face him tomorrow. And just because you won today, just because you got victory today, doesn't mean you don't have to put up a fight tomorrow. You're going to fight every day of your life. You're going to fight temptation. Men, men, listen up real good. You're going to fight temptation every single day of your life. We cannot give up. We are going against a stream, and when you stop swimming, it doesn't mean you're swimming backwards. The current will take you. You've got to keep fighting. We're in a battle. We're fighting. Keep fighting. Keep war. Listen, keep doing everything you can to defeat Satan. It's a constant warfare. We must, we must constantly be on our guard. Galatians 5 verse 16. This is so, so important. This I say, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the thing that ye would that ye would. Now here's how I want you to imagine this. I want you to use your imagination for just a minute tonight. I want you to imagine on the inside of you, you have two two dogs fighting. A black dog and a white dog. The white dog is the spirit, and the black dog is the flesh. Y'all with me? That's going on every day of your life. If you are saved every day of your life, those forces are fighting one another. Now, the one you submit to is the one you're going to obey. The one you surrender to, the one you submit to. And by the way, the one you feed is the one that's going to be stronger. If all you do is, is watch soap operas and gossip on TV and, 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 and read trash and read magazines that are trash and garbage and it doesn't have nothing but sex and adultery and all that junk in it and all you, you watch is what's on, on, on the internet and pornography and all that kind of stuff, you're feeding the black dog. But if you start reading your Bible, if you start listening to good gospel music, if you start feeding your, your spirit with the things of the, of, of the, of the word, the, the spirit of God, it will get stronger and stronger and stronger. Do not be surprised which one wins because of who you feed the most. Y'all with me? Now, in this verse, you see we have two issues, two things going on, two, 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 two uh, uh, powers at, at battle here, if you will. He says in verse 18, he said, uh, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, now here's what I want to say about this. What I'm fixing to read, what I'm fixing to read, every person in this room has potential to accomplish. Let me say it again. What I'm fixing to read, every person in this room, you got potential. Here's what I want you to get out of your head. This thought that, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know how she could have done that. Boy, I tell you what, I don't know how he, he would have done that. I wouldn't. Watch out. You, preacher, what do I have potential to do? Watch. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, uncovered, revealed. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanliness. Fornication is sex out of marriage, unlawful, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, of which I tell you before is I also told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now don't take something out of context. The word do there is the word proso, which means to practice. If you go around practicing these things and this is a normal lifestyle for you, you are not saved. That's what it means. But here's what I want you to understand. You've got potential for every one of them things. Listen, I have, seen, I have seen men of God. I have seen men of God that was the most powerful preachers I've ever been around in my life. Could preach the paint off of these walls. And in a moment of weakness, in a moment of stupidity, doing things they shouldn't do, being where they shouldn't be, end up having affairs and committing adultery. And before you, before you look down your nose to them, you got potential. I got potential. Before you look at people who's fallen, be careful because you might have your shoes tied together. 
We all, say it with me, we have potential. Oh, y'all got weak. What happened? Start feeding the flesh and see what happens. Stop walking with God and see what happens. I'm saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. But our flesh is flesh. And it's powerful. You need to be afraid of it. Never trust your flesh. All right. It's an inward fight. It's amazing that the inward fight is a whole lot more difficult than the outward fight. The, the battle of the mind. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your your mind, your mind. You see, we have an inward warfare. And then he says in verse, verse number uh, 12, having your conversation. What do we say that word conversation means? Our behavior. Say it with me. It means our, our behavior. Have your behavior honest among the Gentiles. Uh, this is not only do we have an inward warfare, we have an outward witness. An outward witness. He says you need to act right around people that don't know Jesus. You need to know who you are. When you go out in this world, remember who you are. You are an ambassador. You are a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? We are witnesses to the loss around us. The word Gentiles here has nothing to do with race since it is a synonym for the unsaved people. We find that in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, and, and 3 John 7. Unsaved people, now underline this, underline this, underline this. Unsaved people are watching us and looking for excuses to reject the gospel. Underline that. Everywhere you go, unsaved people are watching you. Watching you. I remember, I remember when I started going to that coon club over there. I wanted to go coon hunting. I didn't, I didn't necessarily go uh, uh, because I liked them people, because I don't really like anybody. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it, it's not that I don't like anybody. I just I, I get nervous when around people I don't know, and I, I'm, I'm shy by nature, so it's really difficult for me. And it was, but I wanted to go coon hunting. I really like coon hunting. I wanted to go coon hunting. And, and, and I can't say, I wish I was spiritual, said I went in there to win them to Jesus. You know, I didn't do that. I wanted to go coon hunting. Amen? Uh, but I remember the first while that I, I spent with them, uh, they were eyeballing me like crazy. They would say stuff around me just to try to get a rise out of me. Uh, and the reason why, I found out later, uh, the reason why is they had, they had had experiences with other preachers. And they had uh, uh, preachers that were horse traders and dog traders. And, and, I, and if you're a horse trader or a dog trader in here, no offense, but they all are liars. They just do. They just lie. Y'all with me? I mean, and it's just, it, 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 and so here they are. And they're waiting, they're waiting to try to try to see what I'm going to do, see what I'm going to say. And whether you know it or not, they're watching you too. If you claim to be a Christian, if you, if you have put it out there that you are a child of God, and you shouldn't have to claim it, they should already know it. But if you are, they're watching. They're watching. They're watching how you're going to respond when somebody does you wrong. They're watching how you're going to respond when things don't go your way. Y'all with me? All the time. Unsaved people are watching us and looking for excuses to reject the gospel. If we are going to witness to the lost people around us, we must live honest lives. This word implies much more than telling the truth and doing what is right. It carries with it the idea of beauty, comeliness, and that which is admirable and honorable. 
We do not witness only with our lips. We must back up our talk with our walk. Underline that. Underline that, please. We do not witness only with our lips. We must back up our talk with our walk. There should be nothing in our conduct that will give the unsaved ammunition to attack Christ and the gospel. Our good works must back up our good words. The entire Bible echoes this truth. I I can't tell you how frustrated I am at this point about that situation right there. Because we are doing so much damage to the cause of Christ because we're saying one thing and we're doing another. And people can spot a hypocrite a mile away. Are y'all with me? Let's back it up. If we're going to talk it, let's walk it. Amen? (laughs) Man, I want to spend some time on that. Number two, number two. Can y'all see, can y'all see where we have a major responsibility as a Christian? We have a major responsibility as a Christian because of our identity, who we are, and the activity we, that we, we uh, engage in, the in, inward warfare, the, the fight that goes on on the inside, and the witness on the outside. You are representatives of the king. How have you been representing him lately? What do people think about God because of what you have showed them? That's a good question. What do people think about God because of what you have showed them in the life you are living? Y'all with me? All right. Number two, we see a responsibility. What's the title, by the way? Okay, all right. Y'all believe me now? Wait till the last one. Well, this one's a good enough one right here. Look what it says in verse number 13. Don't we just love this word? Submit. 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 Submit yourselves to every... The word basically means obey. It means give in, obey. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For whose sake? Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him, the punishment for the punishment of evildoers and for the praises of him that do well. In other words, not just, let's use our terminology, not just for the president, but for the senate and the governors, the mayor, the policemen. Y'all with me? That's what he's saying. We are to submit to authority. So what is our responsibility as a citizen? Submission to authority submission a submission to authority as christian citizens we should submit to the authority vested in human government the word translated ordinance here in the authorized version simply means creation or institution it does not refer to each individual law but to the institution that make and enforce the laws now i want you to write this above that point above responsibility god instituted three uh, 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 three institutions, the home, and all of them has a has a line of authority in them. All of them, every single one of them, the home, human government, and the church. The home, human government, and the church. And every one of them has places of authority and responsibility in that. Authority means basically the word umbrella. And, 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 and there are places of authority and there is places of submission in all three of these places. In the home, in, the hum, in human government, and in the church. Now, what he is saying here, we have a responsibility as citizens and more importantly, Christian citizens... To submit to authority. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're a Democrat and a Republican's in office, or whether you're a Republican and Democrat's in office, we have a responsibility to submit to the ordinance that God has put in place. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
It is possible to submit to the institution and still disobey the laws. For example, when Daniel and his three friends refused to obey the king's dietary regulations, they disobeyed the law. But the way they did it proved that they honored the king and respected the authorities. Go back and read Daniel 1 and it will give you a good, good storyline to follow there. It is important. It is important that we respect the office even though we may not respect the man or woman in the office. As much as possible, we should seek to cooperate with the government and obey the law. But we must never allow the law to make us violate our conscience or disobey God's word. Y'all with me? Let's, let's read Romans 13. Romans 13 to give a little more background verse for this. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers or submissive to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. Isn't that amazing? There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Wow. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay ye tribute also, as taxes, by the way. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. What does that mean? That means that we are to respect authority. We are to respect the government that God has instituted. God knows that man is so wicked that man needs to be governed. Amen. Now, everything he just said here, everything he just said here is the way it's supposed to be. Government is here to punish the evildoer and to honor the good, the good deeds doer, if you want to use that terminology. I know that does not always happen. I know that governments get crooked. I know that most politicians are crooked. They might not be before they get there, but they are when they leave. Say amen. And I'm not, I'm not trying to justify or trying to do anything of that nature. It's not about the person. It's about the office. It's not about the character there. It's about the institution that God set up. Now, I may not, I may not, I may not like Obama at all. I, 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 may not, I may not like him at all. But I promise you this. I do respect the office he holds. Uh, you may not like me as a person, but as the pastor, you need to respect the office that I hold. That is a place of authority that God has set up. And when God sets it up, we are to do what God says. Not, not based on whether we want to or not, not based on whether we like it or not, not based on how we feel, because our feelings are irrelevant. It always amazes me when, when somebody comes to me with a question about something and, and I say, well, the Bible says this. Well, say, I, well, I just don't feel. Our feelings don't matter. Our feelings don't matter. What matters is what the Word says, what the truth says. And we are, to, we are to submit to authority. B, we have a responsibility as a citizen to submit to authority. We have it now. Now, let me read this again just so we all understand. As much as possible, we should seek to cooperate with the government and obey the law. But we must never allow the law to make us violate our conscience or disobey God's word. Let me give you an illustration how, 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 that, how that would be different. Uh, I respect the government, but if they come and tell me that I have to marry a same-sex couple, we're going to have to draw the line. Why? Because that violates the word of God. If they tell us that we're going to have to start bowing down to, uh, if say we have, it gets to this point, and, and it's going to get to that point when the Antichrist comes, but uh, thank God we're not going to be here at that point. But uh, there's going to be times and places where uh, government dictators have, have, have commanded people to bow down to them. Well, we've got to draw the line. You, you see, does that make sense? 
We cannot violate Scripture when it comes to that type of thing, all right? We have a responsibility as a citizen to submit to authority. Then B, not only submission to authority, but I want you to see service, service to society. Say that with me. Service to society. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Two things you find here in these two verses, the will of God and the servants of God. Two phrases. Uh, When we do something in the will of God as the servants of God, then we are doing it for the Lord's sake. That is so huge. That is so big that you get that. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. We are going to, we are going to study next week, Lord's will, and we're going to study next week uh, at wives. And he's, he's addressing wives with unbelieving husbands. And he says, you're to submit to those unbelieving husbands. Now, I know for a fact that there are some husbands that are goobers. Period. Jerks. Mean. Mistreat their wives. They don't love them like Christ loved the church. They don't do what they're supposed to do. But according to chapter number 3, there, there, is, there is a reason. Uh, the Bible says that Sarah... Sarah submitted to Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, Tammy ain't never done that. Say amen right there. <laughs> calling him Lord. And now, now you say, well, that's not a big deal. He's Father Abraham. Do you realize? Do you realize there came a time in their marriage and their relationship where he told her, because you're so good looking, they may kill me and take you. Just tell them you're my sister. How about that, ladies? What a weasel. Boy, I want to talk about that. (laughs) When we do something in the will of God and as the servants of God, then we're doing it for the Lord's sake. God has willed, God has willed that we silence the critics by doing good, not by opposing the authority. The word silence in 1 Peter 2.15 is literally muzzle. As though the pagan critics were like a pack of yelping, snapping dogs. A true Christian submits himself to authority because he is first of all submitted to Christ. He uses his freedom as a tool to build with and not as a weapon to fight with. A good example of this attitude is Nehemiah, who willingly gave up his own rights with, uh, that he might help his people and restore the walls of Jerusalem. Well, what does that mean? Let's apply that to today. There's always people outside that says you're a bunch of hypocrites. There's always people in this world that criticize Christianity, criticize Christians, and and, and say you're judgmental and you're mean and you're nasty and all that. And, And a lot of them, they have a good reason to say that because they've been treated that way in a lot of places. But what God is saying here is go out and love them. Go out and do good to them. You put a muzzle on their mouth by you doing good in front of them. Now think about that. They're talking about me. Well, shut them up by doing good to them. Y'all don't believe me. Let me read again. Y'all, y'all ain't paying attention tonight. This is the will of God that with, this is verse 15, folks. For so is the will of God. I told y'all before we started, easy preaching and hard living. Amen. Get with me. For so is the will of God that with, with what? Ye may put to, I mean, shut up. Let's stop the critics in Coleman. Let's just love them till they shut up. Let's just keep doing good till they ain't got nothing else to say. 
They keep saying we're jerks. They keep saying we're hypocrites. They keep saying we're judgmental. They keep saying we're mean. Well, let's just love on them and serve them and bless them till they ain't got nothing else to say. Now, now you tell me, is that not what this verse is saying? Now, is that not basically the opposite of what most churches in America are doing right now? Amen. <laughs> Service to society. C, what is our responsibility as a citizen? A, say it with me. B, and C, sincerity to humanity. Sincerity to humanity. Look at what verse 17 says. Honor all men. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. That's, that means basically Christians. I mean, it's just Christians. Love the brotherhood. And let me say this. He's, he's not, by this verse, he's not saying that we shouldn't love people that are not Christians. But we should have a certain affinity and a special love for the brotherhood. Y'all with me? Now, I love everybody, but there's just something special about y'all. Amen? All right. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. If we are sincerely submitted to authority for the Lord's sake, then we will show honor to all who deserve it. We may not agree with their politics or their practices, but we must respect their position. We will also love the brotherhood, meaning, of course, the people of God in the church. This is a reoccurring theme in this letter. Solomon had the same counsel. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. We honor the king because we do fear the Lord. It is worth noting that the sense of these verbs indicate that we should constantly maintain these attitudes. Keep loving the brotherhood. Keep fearing God. Keep honoring the king. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Number three. Number three, we find our responsibility as an employee. Our responsibility as an employee. Now, he is addressing in this particular chapter slaves. It's the word doulos, which means slave. Some people were slaves by the doing of someone else. Some people were slaves as, as kind of like indentured servants. They put themselves as slaves by debt and, and financial ruin, that type of thing. But regardless of the fact, that's who they were. They were slaves. And now he is addressing them. There came a problem. Uh, slaves began to get saved and began to believe in Christ. And uh, they started causing problems because of how they treated their masters. And that's basically what Paul is addressing. Now, uh, I want to I apply this because you can. The truth is here to apply this as employees with an employer and our relationship with them. Uh, in this paragraph, we see that the, the newly converted slaves thought that their spiritual freedom also guaranteed personal and political freedom. And they created problems for themselves and the churches. In other words, let's apply that. Say you're in really, 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 really horrible debt and everything is just horrible that way with all the debt that's coming against you because debt is basically slavery. Say amen right there. And, and, and you get saved and you're born again now and, and you're expecting the banks just to say, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Now, if you have that mentality and that attitude, you're going to have real problems, amen? That's basically what is happening here. Uh, and Paul is trying to address this. He goes into more detail in 1 Corinthians seven twenty, And basically saying if you were, when you got saved, if this was the, the state in your, in your life that you're in, uh, 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 don't fuss about it, don't fight about it, don't do everything. Trust God that you're where God wants you to be. Now, let me apply that. Let me apply that. If where you work, you don't like it, and all you ever do is whine about it, all you ever do is fuss about it, all you ever do is complain about it, and you, you buck up against those that are employing you, uh, the Bible is saying, don't act like that. Don't behave like that. How many of y'all believe, how many all believe that, that God can give you whatever job he wants you to have? How many of y'all believe that God can move you wherever he wants you, whenever he wants you, however he wants you? How many of y'all believe that? Now watch, now watch. This is going to be a little hard to swallow, but this is the truth. 
the gospel eventually overthrew the Roman Empire and the terrible institution of slavery. Somebody say amen right there. Even though the early church did not preach against either one. Now, what Peter is saying in this particular portion of Scripture and chapter, he writes and the application is to employees. We are to be submissive to those who are over us, whether they are kind or unkind to us. Christian employees must never take advantage of a Christian employer. Uh, each, each worker should do a good day's work and honestly earn his pay. Look what it says in verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Now watch. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. That means bad, crooked. The ones that's a jerk. The ones that talk nasty to you. The ones that treat you bad. Now, I know what that's like. I've been there. I've worked for the Antichrist's brothers. Amen. When I, was in, when I was in Florida, I was uh, uh, assistant superintendent at a golf course in Florida, and the guy came from New York and bought the place. And, and I, 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 I don't know what it is about New York, but them people got a different language, and, and, and they like say the F word all the time and, and cuss words all the time, and, and it's just their typical language. They just talk like that, and it doesn't mean they're cussing you. They just talk like that. But when you're a southern redneck and you put those words in your sentence addressing you, you just cuss me. Y'all with me? Now, now, that don't fly. Are y'all with me? And we had some real issues. Uh, so I know, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. And, and uh, man, I want to quit. But my kids got hungry regular, say man. Had to pay the rent. I had to do all these things. And you know what? God could have moved me anytime he wanted to. And it might be, it might be that God has you there, even if it's temporarily, for a reason. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. You're not married to your job. The only wife I got is Tammy. I'm not married to my job. I'm not married to this church. This is Christ's bride. Listen, I was told by a wise man one time, when it comes to, now in this particular arena, it's a little different because I'm called here. So I can't, I can't look for a better opportunity. Y'all with me? It just don't. Some people do, but it just, it, it, I'm, I've never been that way. I was taught better than that. Uh, you go where God tells you to go. So a calling is a little different. Now, I believe, I, believe, I believe other places are callings. I'm not saying that. But he said, always look for better money and better opportunity for your family. But if where you're at in, in, where you're at in the time being is where you're at, don't fuss about it and complain about it and gripe about it and, and, and you act just as much a jerk as they are about it. You be Christ in front of them till God changes your situation. That's basically what this is teaching. I don't like it. I'm, I'm fairly positive that the slaves in that day didn't like their situation. Y'all with me? And, and look, he says this. Be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but say it with me, but also to the forward. Those that are bad, those that don't treat you right. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. And what is, what's he saying there? You're not doing it, you're not submitting to that boss for their sake. You're doing it to be right with God. That's what it's saying. So your conscience is clear with God. Amen? Now watch. First A, write this down. The responsibility as an employee. First, we see the expectation for the employee. The expectation is in verse 18. We just read it. Regardless who your employer is, you treat them right. Regardless how they treat you, you treat them right. 
1 Peter 2.18. 1 Peter 2.18. Servants, same word, slaves, doulos. Servants, be subject to... When I say that, I, I'm, I'm, the, this, the Greek word doulos that our, our English word servants translated from. Uh, so he is literally speaking to slaves. Uh, 1 Peter 2.18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Colossians 3.22. Servants, slaves, Oh, now watch this. This is huge. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You know what that literally is saying? When you are working for your employer, you need to work in such a way as if your employer is Jesus Christ. You're not serving whoever it is that you work for. He says, do it heartily as unto the Lord. In other words, don't, in another phrase in there too, not as men pleasers. And in other words, when they come around to watch you, you're all about it. And when they leave, you get sorry. Y'all still love me? That's what it says. Because see, even when your boss is not watching, he is. And your boss, literally, I, I didn't even dawn on me, but your boss is Jesus. Are y'all with me? Now, that's our responsibility. We have an expectation from God. Uh, <laughs> the blessings of God are, somebody's paying attention, hallelujah. <laughs> Say it with me. The blessings of God are, and the condition is, obedience. you ever wonder what obedience is? Watch, watch. Psalms 102. Serve the Lord with. Now, according to Colossians, who are we serving? When we're, when we're working on our job, who are we really working for? Who are we working for? Now, how does the Bible say to work for him? How does the Bible say to serve him? Serve the Lord with. Uh-oh. Let me give you an illustration. How many of y'all got children? How many of y'all have experienced this? Uh, uh, Kenzie, I need you to take out the trash. <sighs> Can anybody relate to that? Is that obedience? No. That's an attitude. Y'all with me? Now, how many of us have done that to our employer not even realizing we just did that to Jesus <laughs> whistle while we work <laughs> amen This in here is going to be a doozy. He's thinking, oh, Lord, what next? Amen. <laughs> Verse 19. Verse 19. Watch what he says. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it? In other words, what credit is it? What, 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 what's the big deal if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? In other words, if you're doing something wrong and you're getting corrected and you take that patiently, that's not a, you ought to get you ought to get buffeted. Right? But watch. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye 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 two words. Take it. Take it. Patiently for this is acceptable with God. 
We see take it in there twice. Now here's the deal. Sometimes, sometimes a Christian employee may be wronged by an unbelieving coworker or supervisor. For conscious sake, he must, look in your notes, he must, even though he is not in the wrong. A Christian's relationship to God is far more important than his relationship to men. Anybody, including an unbeliever, can take it patiently when he is wrong. It takes a dedicated Christian to take it when he is in the right. God can give us the grace. Now, here's the deal now. God can give us the grace to submit and take it and in this way glorify God. Now, of course, the human tendency is to fight back and demand our rights. But that is the natural response of the unsaved person. And we must do more than they do. Say it with me. Anybody can fight back. Say it with me. Say it again. It takes a spirit-filled Christian to submit and let God fight his battle. And let God fight his battle. Say it with me. And let his hands bigger than yours. Amen. Romans 12, 17. Ooh, I got to hurry. Romans 12, 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what? If he thirst, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now, let's, one more. La lastly, we have the expectation for the employee, the endurance of the employee, and then the example for the employee. The Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, here's the deal. What do we see in his example? First, A, his example in behavior. Write that down. His example in behavior. He said this, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. In other words, he was our example not only in word, but in deed. In other words, our behavior needs to be right and our speech needs to be right. Y'all with me? Word and deed. Example in behavior. B, example in patience. Example in patience. Verse 23. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He threatened not. What's that saying? I, I, I've got to work on them areas. How about y'all? We need, we, need we need to do. Oh, but preacher, you don't know. No, no. It's, it's high time we start acting like Jesus. Listen, lastly. How are we going to do all that? How are we going to do all that, all of this stuff we just talked about? The Bible says he was not only an example in behavior, verse 21 and 22. He was an example in patience, verse 23. But he was an example in trust, verse number 23. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. In other words, you remember what I said about Sarah and Abraham? The Bible says that Sarah called him Lord, in other words, submitting and subjection to him, honoring him though he was a weasel. So how was she able to do that? The Bible says this phrase in chapter 3 that we'll learn next week, who trusted in God. 
In other words, even when you can't trust the weasel, you can trust in God. Even when they're coming against you, even when they're criticizing you, even when they're reviling you, even when you're suffering, you don't have to fight back if you commit your life to the one who holds it. Look what it says. I'm not making this up. Look what it says. It says, he threatened not and he reviled not again. Why? He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know the one thing he got? He could take it. He could do what Peter says and take it with patience because he knew his father had his back. You know what's going to help you, help, you, help you take it when your employer's cussing you out? To know your father has your back. Amen. Let me tell you something. Every time an Egyptian whip came across the back of one of them Jewish fellas, God was watching. Every cry that they cried out, he heard them. And you say, you say, oh, but, but look what they went through. Yeah, but look what they left. Egypt was totally destroyed and the whole army dead in the river. Dead in the Red Sea. Trust me. God may have you there for a reason. God may have you there as a testimony. God may have you there as a witness. Wherever you may be, it may be temporary, it may be long term. But wherever you are, God's got you there Treat it like you're serving God, like your employer is Jesus Christ. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. And you can do this by knowing God has got your back. Amen. Let's give God praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to practice this stuff. Help us to, help us to do this. Lord, you said the best we can to help us to live peaceably with men. Now, Lord, help us to, to really try hard and do the best we can to be like Jesus. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody.